0: Hello and welcome to the third episode of Citizen Hank, a King of the Hill discussion podcast and this this episode I'm joined by someone I'm very excited to talk about King of the Hill with. I'm joined by uh, Sahana from the incredibly good Summer Twilight Book Club.
1: Thank you so much um i i really appreciate that you describe our podcast as incredibly good because i think the words that i would use to describe it are chaotic and uh and like question mark is really the best that i can do um so i appreciate your appraisal thank you very much
0: it's uh i i, I could just turn this into me talking about how much i like the podcast <laughs> Uh, but <laughs> I feel like that puts weird pressure, and also uh, no one wants. I don't think people want to hear that. But I, <laughs> it, it's I, I, I'm sure you've probably gotten this a lot about it. Where the thing that's appealing to me about it is like Twilight came out. The first movie came out my freshman year of high school. So oh, I was yeah. like, I was like peak age to be an angry teenage boy that uh, mm-hmm. teen girls liked something that I didn't understand. So uh-huh. I never, it's, it's still, you never see like actual conversation about it. It's just sparkly vampires are bad. So getting to hear like analysis and actual like thought processes on it is good.
1: <laughs> well, thank you. We appreciate that. That I think is really what we try to bring to the podcast is just a lot of. Um, like, critical analysis of all of the really sort of troubling relationship dynamics, but also a lot of jokes about vor and edging, so we really try to keep it <laughs> balanced, you know? <laughs> That's, like, with, <laughs> Gotta keep the fans interested. <laughs>
0: That's, like, with the wrestling one I do, where we'll be, like, Fred friend Cameron will talk about how certain things are, like, even if it's not intentional, good representations of, like, visual representations of systematic inequality and racism... But yeah. also, we'll scream about how cool it is when someone gets punched in the face.
1: <laughs> yes, I think that, that that is precisely the balance that we're aiming for with STBC. So, same
0: page. <laughs> uh, part of the reason I chose this one is even though he's, he's just very little of this episode... I think, maybe, like, four or five times a day about you comparing, uh, Stephanie Meyer's description of Jacob Black to John Redcorn. John Redcorn! Oh, my <laughs> that God! That's the funniest thing! I,
1: listen, Stephanie Meyer really describes all of her, like, Native and Indigenous characters as, like, cartoon versions of Native people, and I just, every time, I'm like, you're just describing John Redcorn, <laughs> like... Like this, like very handsome, hypersexualized, muscular Native American man. Like that is like just I can't do it. Oh man, I'm really glad that that is stuck with you because I was like I just I remember the first time I thought it. I was like I'm having a revelation right now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yes, John Redcorn does feature I think, um, even though he's only in like One scene, I think his essence is really Featured prominently in this episode And I love it, I love it, it's great
0: It's a, uh, and in- it's something that like I, I appreciate about King the Hill because I live I'm not gonna I'm going to I need to I'm bad at words so I'm gonna try and word this so I don't sound as bad as I worry I'm gonna be I live in an area I have like Native American friends in an area with a large Native American population we're not too mm-hmm, far from a reservation right and, you live
1: in South Dakota right yeah I live yeah, near yeah, the so Rapid
0: Sea, South Dakota so that's kind of near Pine Ridge Reservation which is one of the larger ones in the area and when it comes to media and listening to you and Kat talk about Twilight I always feel like Stephanie Meyer probably has never talked to a person from a Native American tribe ever Oh, absolutely
1: not um it's very clear that Stephanie Meyer does a little to no research about anything um so I mean she's like explicitly said that she like did not like look up any vampire lore and i cannot even like fathom in any part of my imagination that she would have done any kind of research about the like indigenous people native to the area that she was writing about cuz why would she
0: <laughs> exactly and that's like something i really i like about john redcorn as a character in king of the hill is that uh he he had a different voice actor in this first season but both voice actors he's had are native american men and for the most part they treat a lot of that stuff with respect at least in the writing for his character while you have and and then you have the good juxtaposition of white people who don't get it and think it's kind of like kitschy
1: right this is and this is like exactly the note that i made to myself while i was watching this earlier this morning is that like one of the things that i think that i love most about king of the hill um, is that, like, its approach to race has always very much been, like, putting white people at the center of the joke. Like, it never plays people of color for laughs. It's always about how the white people are being, like, obtuse dummies. Like, every time, like, all- it's always white people being, like, disrespectful or stupid that's played for laughs. Or like how that backfires on them. I just really appreciate that perspective. Like I think I know that I think that we don't. Um, this um I think it's too early in the season because um, this is still season one. So we don't have like Khan and Min and Connie yet. But even like yeah. the show's approach to them as like a family unit and to the idea of being Laotian is always just about like how. Hank's misunderstanding of that is ridiculous. Or like Peggy like thinking that she's a fluent Spanish speaker and actually being terrible at Spanish. Like that's what's being played for laughs. And I just appreciate that it's always like white people and their like willful misunderstanding of anything outside of whiteness is the thing that's always being played for a laugh. And I just really appreciate that about this show. So very much.
0: uh, The we're talking about uh, season three not season three episode three of from season one which is the order of the straight arrow which is about hank and his friends basically sharing their childhood con- it's basically like a boy scouts type thing with their kids and like other kids of arlen and did did you have any like youth experiences with any like summer camps or like camp groups or anything
1: I was going to, so I I was a Girl Scout for a couple of years, and I think we went camping one time, but I feel like the Boy Scouts do a lot more sort of like hardcore outdoors survivalist stuff than the Girl Scouts really do. I don't know. Were you ever a Boy Scout?
0: Uh, I remember I wanted to, but I had (laughs) my mom and stepdad were the parents that were like, you'll get bored in a week and then not want to do it, (laughs) and they were right. (laughs) (laughs) so i did not get to do any of this stuff and neither did any of my friends because very similarly i think they knew uh when i would spend a whole saturday playing nintendo like probably him (laughs) wanting to do the boy scouts isn't gonna work out (laughs) maybe doing outdoors things is not gonna work out for this (laughs) child.
1: um i feel like cub scouts was like a really big deal for a lot of boys that i like grew up with Um, I remember, like, a lot of them stayed in, like, Cub Scouts and whatever comes after that. Eagle Scouts, Falcons, I don't fucking know. Uh, Whatever it is that comes after that, like, a lot of them did that and, like, built tiny boats and whatever other shit you do when you're an Eagle Scout. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and I think the the thing that, I the only thing I remember knowing about, like, Boy Scouts, like, Cub Scouts things is that you get to build a go-kart. So I think that was probably yeah. my main motivation was getting to build a go-kart and not... Pinewood Derby? Is that what do- it's called? I think so.
1: Something like that. I want to build a go-kart. That sounds like fun. <laughs> Why don't the Girl Scouts get to build go-karts? Fuck, man.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> that's what people... Uh, I, that's that's a little drifting a little too far off, but I, I think that's what people miss. For it's like, why can't girls join the Boy Scouts? Like, there's the Girl Scouts, but they do different things.
1: Yeah, but they don't build go karts. <laughs> <laughs> However, I will say that the Girl Scouts have far superior um, fundraising uh, materials. I Listen, I will go ham on any Girl Scout cookie any day <laughs> of the week. This is a tangent. We don't have time for me to talk about Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> <Yes. Ooh.
0: laughs> I, if, if, if it's Girl Scout cookie time, I, I go in and with like blinders because if one of those old girls asks me to buy those boxes, I, I'll have a hard time saying no.
1: I have a really <laughs> important question for you. All right. What is your favorite Girl Scout cookie?
0: Uh, there is only
1: one correct answer. Oh, that is not the correct answer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, edible. like, they're fine. <laughs> I do have a peanut allergy, so that knocks out a lot of the ones people like. Okay,
1: that's fair. (laughs) However, the best Girl Scout cookie unequivocally is the Samoa. Um, People who call them caramel delights are wrong. Um, I am inviting fights about this. So if you would like to fight me about Girl Scout cookies, uh, this is an invitation.
0: (laughs) Please do. We'll um,
1: make it an SDBC special episode. We'll
0: put
1: it on the Patreon. I will fucking fight you about Girl got cookies. I'll do it. I don't even care. I don't even care. I'll do it. <laughs> back to back to the episode <laughs> yeah show, anyway, which, which we have not started <laughs> exactly. So oh god,
0: the episode starts out with the gang in the alley. Uh, is <clears throat> Hank and Dale are the only ones with actual children? They want to take them to out in the woods, basically inviting the other two guys to go out with them and they have a memory to when they were kids in the order of the straight arrow i love this flashback it's oh it's so good it's it's one of those things that like my favorite thing that they do with king of the hill especially with flashbacks is the way they portray it is never like a flashback flashback there's always little details that like show that it's how the character's viewed it or remembered it versus how it actually was where Hank just basically imagines his dad and then uh, his friends but they're like altered slightly so we know it's their dads <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> and they're t- Hank's dad is talking about the snipe hunt that they have to do and making it sound all menacing and scary But immediately, as soon as he's done talking, the kids are just like, you know, that's bullshit, but let's get fucked up off this Bloody Mary mix. Bloody Mary mix! (laughs) (laughs) Yes, this is my favorite part of this whole flashback,
1: is them like, yeah, let's get fucked up on this Bloody Mary mix. Oh, wow, it's really good. Oh, man. It just makes me think about that John Mullaney bit about, like, brunch gangs breaking into airports to drink Bloody Marys in the middle of the day. Oh, God, that's so good. I know really exactly good. what you're talking about. Uh-huh. Really uh-huh. uh uh-huh. that, that is immediately what I thought of. God. Um. The other thing that I noticed about this flashback, and I don't know if this is something... That is just like unique to the flashback, or if this becomes true, like progressively as the seasons go on. But I found Boomhauer significantly more intelligible than I have in other episodes.
0: Oh yes, that is something. Just because like he's a kid, I don't, I don't know if it's if it's even intentional. But he's just t- talking kind of slower. <laughs> So you could you at least get what he's talking about. Yeah, versus... and there's also just
1: like less dangles, so there's just like yeah. less filler between his words, and what he's saying actually makes sense. And I found that very interesting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there, there is one episode where you get to hear Boomhauer talk normal, and it is very jarring. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but also,
1: this is and this is this is quite a jump forward. But um, the episode where uh, his brother is played by Brad Pitt. <laughs> Excellent <laughs> Truly fantastic uh,
0: I, I love all the uh, the Celebrity guests they have Like the one yes. following this episode is um About Willie Nelson so. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Yes, Willie Nelson is
1: on the next episode of the show It's just very good um, Yeah, I think also Eliza Dushku is on one of these episodes And I was oh. like, oh, remember the 2000s <laughs>
0: <laughs> That is like the most 2000s name too Yeah, Mm -hmm. mm-hmm, mm-hmm, God. The flashback just, (laughs) I I like Bill saying, oh, I'm going to do this every day of my life, just like my dad when I'm an adult, and then it cuts back to him sad and balding, just, I'm too depressed to blink. (laughs) To blink!
1: (laughs) That's so good.
0: (laughs) So they're like, uh, they're trying, they want to get uh, some wacky, indian stuff as they put it which hurts to say uh from john redcorn to kind of like spice up their weekend camping trip which uh john redcorn is immediately like hey these these rituals for my people are very sacred and are aren't to be taken lightly uh, explains the ritual involving we i I always want to say Wimatanya because that's how the the white guys say it yeah. <laughs> but it's involving like putting uh blessing a spirit bag and he doesn't go into details of the ritual but it's a very important thing that his father passed down to him and they're just writing it down like oh man this is wild spirit bag hey bill let's use your old wife's socks hey that's uh <laughs> completely the the like most blatant depiction i think i've ever seen of cultural appropriation right there it
1: really and i think like that again is what i appreciate about this show is that they really just feel unafraid to hit the nail on the head of white people being shitty you know <laughs> like it really they really are not beating around the bush of cultural appropriation here they really are going for like look at these white people be terrible after explicitly being asked to not be terrible <laughs>
0: <laughs> which like you know after get- Stealing all those, uh, and bastardizing all those great ideas and rituals from John Redcorn's culture, they set off to go into the woods, and Peggy is in quite a rush to get them out out and going, uh... It, rushing the kids and everyone into the car So they can get driving off And that's the like B-plot that we're introduced to It's is, very good
1: I literally, I made a note That is just in all caps What is Peggy doing? <laughs> <laughs> like I wanted to know
0: <laughs> <laughs> She's a uh, There's just like th- Throughout the episode she is, it, it cuts to her doing stuff Like here, as soon as everyone takes off She hops into Hank's truck And starts driving off and then she drives, like, far off into the desert and gets a hotel room at, like, a truck stop hotel. And then yeah. pays for it in cash after, like, going to an ATM and burning the receipt and yes. putting a garbage oh. can on fire.
1: Yes, she's such a trash And I was like, at first, the way that she was holding it, I was like, is Peggy burning a draft card? Why does she have a draft card? Like. <laughs> What is happening? <laughs> they really kept me interested. Um, the other thing that I really love from the scene where they're about to leave is um, they, like the the one, the guy from the flashback who um, immediately gets kicked out uh, and says that he can't like earn his straight arrow, um, who I don't know if we ever see again and I can't remember his name. Uh,
0: um, it is Eustace and his son. Eustace. Uh, Randy because they show up in a couple other episodes
1: I remember that his name is Eustace now because uh, I think Dale calls him useless which I thought was a good Um, (laughs) guy but the thing that I like best about that is like as they're leaving Eustace is saying to Randy like remember it doesn't matter if you get your straighter or not like I'm gonna love you no matter what and Hank goes (laughs) can you imagine how I'd have turned out if my dad loved me no matter what (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's just so good Oh man that's I love like, that very much. That's,
0: that's just like it's, it's, it's definitely a joke But also that's just how like Weirdo like middle aged boomers Just talk like I Imagine know, if my it, parents actually loved me How I'd turn out
1: Right and I love like again There's just all of these subtleties in this show Where like There's so many layers of like subtext to some of these things that this character says and it's just like I think I don't I think a lot of people don't recognize how clever some of the characterization and dialogue in this show is and I just I love it so much.
0: That's, that's why I, I like, I really want to talk about this show with people, and especially get, like, having different people, because I can get different perspectives on it, but a lot of people seem to, I, I've said this, like, this is part of the problem with recording so many people, but I've said this almost every episode, how a lot of people seem to view the show as just some kind of, like, conservative love letter?
1: Yeah, like, I, I think that people don't quite understand, sort of, like, the central premise Uh. of the show. Yeah. And I think that also partially it's because now I think like animated TV for adults is like this very specific niche genre and also like, I don't know, and some of it is like prestige TV now, right? When you think about like BoJack Horseman, but then there's also things like Bob's Burgers, which are like very clear in sort of what their like political stance is. And I think that King of the Hill is much more like interesting and thoughtful and nuanced in the way that it portrays like conservative texan people um which is like without any like making any sort of like apologies or excuses for them but also like humanizes them in a very specific way and i think that people don't always like have the willingness to like hold space for that complexity
0: yeah this is a something i meant to do at the beginning of the episode but i'll just I'll, i'll do it right now what is your like Early experiences with King the Hill Before like As an adult it's something you can definitely understand But like as a kid It would come on like before the Simpsons or something And you'd be watching it and I'd be like This is a cartoon But not really
1: Yeah (laughs) yeah, I mean so I never really watched this show As a kid I feel like The Like the, the couple of episodes That I watched before I like really got into it When it was Um I think when I was in college, it was on Netflix for a brief stint, and then they took it off of Netflix, and everybody was, like, really upset about it. Um, But I think, like, before that, the only time I would ever really watch it was when it was on Adult Swim at night. Um, And I think that there were, like, a couple episodes that I would watch, and there are pieces of it that I would, like, find funny, and pieces of it that would sort of, like, elude me. But I think that it really, like, took until I was in college and maybe, like, had a better, like, understanding of certain like, political things and had been conscientized to, like, certain parts of, of other things that it really, like, made sense to me and I was able to appreciate it for, like, what it was trying to do in the late 90s, which I actually think is, like, pretty... I think that this this show takes a very unique political stance that I think was, like, probably not out there in 97, which I think is when it came out.
0: Yeah, that's when uh, the first season was, was in 97. And it's something that, like, I compare... The, poli- the politics that are presented in King of the Hill to South Park because they both have a kind of, the like loose thing you can get from it is kind of like centrism, but while in King of the Hill it kind of shows to like a lot of the stuff is, a lot of people have good intentions but are ultimately wrong and everything's about understanding, while South Park is usually, if you believe anything on purpose, you're stupid.
1: Right. Yeah, I think that this show, I think and I and I never watched any South Park because I think it, it just never appealed to me because of I don't know who its audience was and how it was presented. But I think like what at least my sense of what King of the Hill has that South Park does not at its core is just like a like a desire to create empathy for these characters yes, which I think yes. does like not necessarily exist in South Park. Like yes, yes. I think that Peggy is a ridiculous, like, person. And also, I feel empathy for her, you know? Yeah. Also, I am Bobby Hill. Like, at my core, I feel <laughs> that I am Bobby Hill.
0: Both you and Chris. <laughs> like, I just...
1: <laughs> I I say very frequently that, like, at the... Just at at the core of my being, I am Kelly Kapoor. But I think, like, in reality, I think I am, like, a very significant blended version of kelly kapoor and bobby hill <laughs> like i really just think that's who i am as a person <laughs>
0: that's that's a good combo thank you
1: so much <laughs> i think if i could have chosen that is what i would have chosen for myself
0: <laughs> hank and bill are in one car and with the kids and then dale and Boomhauer are, are in another car uh hank and bill are doing just like Parent things to get them to shut up basically like adult things Mm -hmm. to get them shut up uh makes them take a a oath of silence just because he's getting annoyed at them spotting license plates and they're all texas yeah (laughs) there's like there's no game to it (laughs) they're just pointing out texas and with everything they say they say, Wee Matanya, I see Texas, Wee Matanya. Wee Matanya, there's another one, I see Texas, Wee Matanya. <laughs> <laughs> so they pull over and give them uh, Slim Jims and say, To the white man, they're Slim Jims. But to the sacred Wee Matanya, they're silent sticks. <laughs> and every time you talk, you you get a bite out of them and five bites and you're out. Which <laughs> all the kids understand. And Bobby goes, Right right now.
1: (laughs) Um, I also feel that it's important for me to take this opportunity to say that I have never eaten a Slim Jim, and this is because there's a good reason for this. It's because once in high school, Kat described a Slim Jim to me as tasting like a rolled up paper towel dipped in pizza grease, and so I've never had any interest.
0: Oh, no! That... I, I don't think I've ever eaten one, but I feel like a, a processed meat stick, you should not be able to see the grease on the wrapper. So, <laughs> yeah, when I see um, my brother eats them, and, like, he'll open one up, and I'll be in my room, and he'll be in his room, and I will smell it. That's
1: horrifying. There is nothing <laughs> appealing to me about that. Also, everyone that I've ever shared that description with has been like, yeah, that tracks. So, <laughs> like... Why would I want to eat that? I have no desire. So, doesn't seem like much of a loss for me to have your slim jim eaten, is what I'm saying.
0: <laughs> well, if it's if the whole thing is eaten, he doesn't get his order of the straight arrow badge. Oh, that's true. That's true. Oh, I, I completely forgot about one of my favorite visual gags when him and Joseph are like camping oh out. Oh my god, in his I room. also made a note about this because it's so
1: <laughs> fucking funny.
0: And Bobby's like, I can't wait to get that straight badge. I'm going to put it right next, right to, next to my so, <laughs> so badge. And as he points to it, it falls it off. Falls
1: of off. Oh god, it's so funny. <laughs> and
0: there's, like, Joseph's talking about, well, here it is. He's like, I heard you got to walk over hot coals and then. Eat it, and Bobby missing the fact that it's terrifying to shove a hot coal in your mouth is like right after you walked on it,
1: <laughs> and then they both shove the flashlights in their mouths. God, all oh, this show is so good. Oh man,
0: <laughs> Peggy Hill gets mad at the at Bobby for almost saying fuck because he says fu, and I think that's that's something that I I think is missing in because a lot of media with kids is, kids swear a lot more than TV will tell you. Oh, yeah. If you watch Stranger Things, those kids should be saying fucking shit every other word. <laughs> Especially because they're, like, young so they're bad at it and don't know how to use the words.
1: <laughs> yes. Oh, man. <clears throat> um, I also love that, like, immediately upon arriving to the campsite, they run into a group of, like, environmentalist protesters um and the Hank's reaction is what kind of lefty hoot nanny is this
0: <laughs> I should uh I get invites to like my local Dsa stuff and I should <laughs> I should just walk in one day just like what kind of lefty hoot nanny is this <laughs> it's very good <laughs> oh, the there's a a ju- like a small visual gag That I didn't pick up on Until watching it earlier today Where I think it's Hank and Dale Are standing there and Hank says Look at her bouncing around like that Would mm-hmm. it kill a tree for her to wear a bra <laughs> And <laughs> then And then they keep you, you see their heads turn like they're watching her Like he he stop. is both Like grossed out But also he can't stop staring at her boobs Oh god I just
1: oh man <laughs> <laughs> and it's very good.
0: The it's just like a bunch of hippies, uh, talking about saving certain endangered species. The only one that stood out because of what happens in the episode is the whooping crane. Mm-hmm. But I, I like the small detail that the lady shouting in the microphone has a hairy armpit. They make, <laughs> yeah. they, they make sure to focus in on that, so that's how you know she's some kind of lefty weirdo. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's <laughs> you know it's the, it's the mark of a leftist <laughs> It's like <a>, uh <laughs> It's like on Game of Thrones Where their Dothraki Grow their braids out Right The like the longer Your armpit hair is The more leftist clout You have
0: <laughs> Oh no <laughs> oh, It's incredibly good <laughs> Thank you so much <laughs> Oh
1: man, yeah. If you uh, if you become a class traitor, they hold you down and shave your armpits. <laughs>
0: oh, thank you for that image. That's you're
1: so welcome.
0: <laughs> I just imagine the dramatic like Game of Thrones music as there as the the person is screaming like I have a family, please. <laughs> When you shouldn't have
1: shopped on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> oh man! Oh, what happens next in this episode? <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're, uh, they're,
0: sur- they're they're surround they're they're kind of talking. Uh, the kids are kind of talking about how. Uh, it kind of seems weird all the stuff. Like, no, the the silent sticks were just to get us to shut up for the ride. And Bobby is adamant. No, my dad is the scout leader. He would not do uh, do this to us. He is the leader of the Straight Arrow. And it it cuts them like looking over a cliff, saying "We oui, matanya." So it, from his eye, his perspective, it looks like they're upholding the values they're trying that they're trying to pass down. And then it cuts to them, and they're just like. Fucking around with the kids saying Waimatania while sipping beer over the cliff, <laughs> and uh, they have like uh, a campfire where Hank tells a nonsensical story about the spirit of Waimatania and how it's respectful of all of God's creatures with liberty and justice for <laughs> all. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> <laughs> I also love that he says
1: something along the lines of, um, like the Earth belongs to all of us. Our taxes pay for her.
0: <laughs> I miss that actually. It's very good. He said, uh, "I I like his his slip his like propane propaganda that he slips into yeah. the kids where when telling the story of Wima, Tanya he says that, uh the spirit blessed the Earth with clean burning fuel efficient propane and then." <laughs> He has them learn and recite a pledge, which part of it is that uh, Order of the Straight Arrow Scouts are against Bill H R. <laughs> fifty seven, which is for allowing the import of propane from South <laughs> from America. South America. <laughs> and every time I see that, I always think it's gonna take a wild turn. For like, uh, just my my in the back of my head, I always worry that they're gonna say something scary about like nra gun right stuff for like stand your ground type thing because in the in my brain that's just how i imagine like how half the boy scouts are is learning this stuff and then also indoctrination on why you should have 27 guns oh yeah (laughs) so to, to get the straight arrow badge you must go on the snipe hunt those of you who make it will get the badge and those of you who don't will will die
1: We'll be dead. hmm
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. A little chill.
1: Super chill.
0: Perfectly normal thing for uh, 12-year-olds to hear. I think when I was 12 is the only time I went camping, and if someone told me, hey, if you do this thing, you either make it out or you're dead, I probably wouldn't have gone.
1: Yeah. I think that's a reasonable response.
0: <laughs> uh to, to hunt down the snipe, they have to go woo-loo-loo, woo-loo-loo-loo. <coughs> and they go into the bushes, uh, just ch- chanting for it. And Bill and Hank are just like messing around with them, going, Oh, I think it almost got me. Ha ha. It's this horrible creature with terrifying poison talons, and it'll eat ya. And uh, they, they like step out and like, All right, we'll let the boys. Just wander around for an hour, terrified, and then go find them. And immediately, Bobby, like you hear him screaming, like hitting sounds, and he, a, a whooping crane falls out. And Dale with uh, a great line: "Oh man, there's only five of those left. Well, uh, four now. <laughs> this is pretty lucky. We got to see one, huh?" <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um, Bobby somehow like Was able to grasp on To what is probably The real Message in behind the story Of Ouimetagne Where th- they basically Like flat out tell him like no there's no such thing as a Snipe whatever we're just fucking with you And he goes no The spirit Ouimetagne tur- Turned the snipe into a whooping crane To save me <laughs> So I could live <laughs>
1: Honestly, I, like, I appreciate Bobby's, uh, willingness to, like, suspend his disbelief about these things and really just, like, be accepting, uh, <laughs> you know? <laughs>
0: like, yeah. <laughs> it's just his, his, like, undying love for his dad. Like, why why would dad lie to me? Why would he make up a story to get me to shut up? That doesn't make any sense. My dad loves me. S- since there's this endangered animal, of course, that's, a that's gonna be a huge fine in jail time. They, uh... They say, it, they'll hide it, and in the morning, they'll dump its body somewhere.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, seems fine. <laughs> yeah, so they, like, they literally, they stuff it inside of a cooler. Yeah!
0: <laughs> they stuff it in a cooler and go to bed. They wake up, and, uh... A park rager's coming by, because he has a tracker that kind of tells where the, uh... It's gonna be like within ten feet of their campsite, is what he says the tracker is, and he asks the asks Hank if he's seen it anywhere. He's like, uh, nope, we've just been camping. So you know, order the straight arrow stuff as the kids kind of like try and talk, but uh, one of the kid with the glasses, Randy, is probably gonna rat him out, but brings up the silence thing, and the ranger immediately gets him. He's like, I was in the straight arrow too and it cuts to Dale like bound up and hopping out of a tent because the night before they took his keys and his pants and shoes because he was saying stuff that <laughs> he was not attached to this venture and he, him and Boomhauer they're on their own accord he doesn't know them so they uh, bound and gagged <laughs> so he wouldn't run away so he wouldn't snitch <laughs> and without any question he's like ah oh, I'm glad to see it hasn't changed since I was a kid have fun <laughs>
1: Yes. and then the my the my other favorite part of the scene is that um he boomhauer that immediately is like uh in in his boomhauer dialect uh is like yeah um one of the kids beat the whooping crane to death because <laughs> we were out snipe hunting.
0: <laughs>
1: and then the Rangers like yeah uh, okay well if you see
0: anything let me know <laughs> That's a, I always I I love the reactions they always have To Boomhauer talking One of my favorite ones Is I can't remember what's exactly going on In the episode But Boomhauer spouts off something And Hank goes you know Boomhauer I couldn't understand a word you said You know better than to use that legalese Nonsense lawyer talk with me <laughs> Instead of, like, oh, he speaks gibberish, it's... (laughs) (laughs) He's using words he can't understand. Overhearing them talk about, like, dumping the body is the the hippie people. Mm -hmm. So, they're going to report what they're doing to the ranger. And when it shows that, she's, like, explaining that, like, something with the crane. And he goes, oh, no, they were just snipe hunting. And... Says something to how there's n- there's no such thing as snipes or there's just yeah. not any snipes, and her reaction is just, oh god, how many more species must we eradicate?
1: Before we learn. <laughs> oh, it's very good. It's very good. Um, the- I also love that the like the protesters are chasing uh, ev- like Hank and the and the boys. As they're trying to find a spot to dump the bird's body, like, there's a point at which they're, like, digging a ditch on the side of the road to try to bury the um, the bird and a bunch of, like, hippie-looking people are, like, running towards them hacky-sacking and then pick yeah. up the hacky-sacks and, like, throw them at the car. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. Fucking good.
0: It's <laughs> the like the, the weird visual irony we get about how they, they're nature killers and then they run into he a bird's nest and crush person? Yeah it just crushes oh, all the eggs. So good. <laughs> oh
1: man. I just some of the like little this is what I'm saying, like some of the small details in the visual gags in this show are just oh like chef's kiss good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no. While this is uh all going on, we, yeah, we've been tell seeing. Me, tell
1: me, about Peggy Hill.
0: Oof. The Peggy stuff. She like when she checks into like weird trucker hotel, she gives a a Hispanic name. I'm sure she says she says some horrible thing like Mexican or Espanol when she <laughs> when she explains it to people. Uh, but she she goes to a store for uh, it's like it's like Lubbock's it is, uh, shoe store for
1: Lubbock. It's Lubbock's very big shoes for the large, for the large footed
0: lady. <laughs> I wrote it
1: down. Cause I was laughing so
0: hard. And I didn't realize like, this is just how quickly they set up Peggy Hill, big feet. Yeah, um, And she like, she's talking to this, this like suave guy named Brock, who is probably the owner of this store. And, uh, About how she's there for shoes, and she says some word or shoes, as people in your country call them. So she she says.
1: Well, so she says what she says is zapatos, which is the Spanish word for shoes, but she says it like zapatos.
0: (laughs) See, I don't know any Spanish, so that's even better to know that she's not even saying it right. (laughs) Nope and she's like and her saying or shoes as as uh you Americans call them so she thinks her spanish is so good she really that does. She this really middle she's middle aged and i love it middle aged midwestern white lady thinks she can get she can trick people into thinking she is from another country <laughs>
1: just, oh peggy hill she just warms my heart <laughs> oh in, man
0: in this she's a uh, she's just buying like large-sized designer shoes. I think he I says 16. I love that
1: this is the whole B-plot. Like, there's no like significant resolution to this. Like, I really... It really is just a setup for, like, Peggy Hill as a character having big feet and that being a thing that is, like, c- like continues about her. Because yeah. I really think that the last time we see her in this episode is in the shoe store. Like, that yeah. is it for Peggy Hill.
0: <laughs> she, uh...
1: I also and- I also just like love this sort of like understood, like unexplained um like thing that of course Peggy Hill would have to go buy like large women's shoes with a fake name in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> Texas. <laughs> like what? It's uh <laughs> I think
0: she's uh she's she's scared that all the people in Arlen are gonna find out which I th- I think they've they said that Arlen has like 150,000 people. It's a <laughs> suburb of Dallas, so it's a big mm-hmm. area. Yep. But she she is convinced that everyone will know she has big feet.
1: <laughs> but it would ruin her credibility.
0: <laughs> like they're trying to run out of uh the they they pull over to like this water reservoir type type spot. Mhm. And they're just trying to like shove the bird into <laughs> a pipe and uh (laughs) just gonna like bury it here and as like bobby earlier like stuck the bird out the window (laughs) (laughs) because Hank is like what's that flapping sound and it cuts to to bobby like giving the, the the spirit it's like giving the spirit one last flight bird brother
1: it was like he was like one last taste of the wind.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and then when they're at this like this like water ditch off like he's splat. he's like puts it in water and he's like splashing water on it and uh it's like I've given you one last taste of the air and your final taste of the water so you can be put to rest and he I, I don't know where he's getting all this from the like lazy uh cerebony that Hank put on for it.
1: <laughs> Bobby Hill is nothing if not a boy with imagination and I respect that about him.
0: He uh Hank just explains like no son. Uh I lied about the Snape hunt, you know. Snape hunt not Snape. They weren't hunting Severus Snape from <laughs> that was uh, a better episode. <laughs>
1: i i I guarantee you somewhere out there on the internet there is king of the hill harry potter uh crossover fic and you you should you should read it on the podcast
0: oh i there there is a couple of fan fictions out of king of the hill that i have read that i want to read for everyone good um i i I know that you do I know your experiences with anime and stuff were not as as broad as others, which is why it's funny to me that you just had to be subjected to Inuyasha nonsense. I, let me
1: tell you, I had no idea what was going on and I didn't like a single moment of it. Uh, Chris literally, Chris had to be our first, uh, podcast guest to like sit down and explain to me what Inuyasha was. <laughs> Like, we did not plan to have him as a guest on that episode, and also he, like, happened to be in the next room, and Kat was like, hey, come explain, Inuyasha, because Sahana has no idea what the fuck is going on. There's
0: there's one specifically that my friend and I would keep up with in high school because it was so absurd it's king of hill crossed over with a death note so it's oh this, no hank gets what? the death note no H- oh. hank gets the death note and he said he's gonna he's gonna make a more clean burning fuel efficient world Stop. and rid the world of the asinine and he's like all the people he kills are just like it's like Khan and like i think he kills his dad and his boss because those it's are it's like very the important to characters. me that you
1: find and send me the link to this fanfic I need to read it. That is absurd. <laughs>
0: and I, I think it's Dale is the one who's helping investigate.
1: Oh my the, god! Like, cr- killing deaths it's it's So wild. so Dale is Misa <laughs> in this situation? Pretty much. <laughs> Fuck man. <laughs> 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 oh boy. Wow. Wow. I just I feel like my brain is melting. <laughs>
0: Uh, so Hank is after explaining that's all lie Bobby doesn't get any of it and I Mm-mm. think this is a, a like a huge thing th- uh, this is the best I've seen it handled in like a sitcom or just uh, media where Hank is like you know boy it's it's you versus me it's you, you gotta you gotta beat the mean old adults and Bobbys just like but you're my dad I love you I thought we were on the same team and he's like Oh, he like, Hank gets it, like, I, I think we could, for, like, from Hank's experience, that like, we know how horrifying his dad is, oh, that God. it's more of a legitimate, like, me versus him situation, because of how just distant and unloving and terrible of a dad Hank had, and even though Hank wants to be a better dad, he still, like, romanticizes those things from being a kid as... What the important and good things you go through as a kid Well, Bobby is just full of heart and he's just like I love my dad I just want to go do things with him and like as Hank realizes that he's like hey son let's go bury this crane together
1: it's actually very sweet yeah <laughs> <laughs> then,
0: <laughs> Hank, Hank is finally like understanding something about raising a kid as they're uh, hiding a federal crime that they committed.
1: <laughs> 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 you know what they say: um, Texans that do crime together stay together, right? That's the
0: thing. That's why when I was in Texas, I did tons of crimes. That mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, makes sense. That tracks. <laughs> um, Hank, uh, uh, right before they can though, the ranger shows up and is like, "Hey." You guys killed that bird. I'm going to have to bring you into the park station. And also that guy's in, is in his underwear. And I don't know why he's like that. But that's probably part of the reason I'm going to need to bring you in. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, the bird suddenly comes to life. And he's like, well, it's not illegal to knock the bird out. It's probably not good for it. But I'm going to let you go. <laughs> <Probably> it's fine. <laughs> and Bobby <laughs> is just like, I am imbued with the power of Wima yeah, I'm like, a healer. It worked.
1: I like brought his, I brought his spirit back and uh, and Hank is like, no, the bird was just unconscious. Uh, and Bobby's like, no, it's real. I'm a healer. It's amazing. Um, and then Hank says, uh, I'd like to go home. I have a headache and Bobby's like, I can heal you. I'm a shaman.
0: <laughs> <And then> he, <laughs> Which is oh just amazing. He splashes <laughs> Hank in the face with uh, with water and then Hank like he looks irritated but he kind of like he gets that his boy's just doing a cute little kid thing and he just like it, it ends on that and it's nice
1: it is very nice <laughs> I love it I love, I love I love
0: Bobby Hill so much he's so he's so good. He's it's good. uh, it's it's why I'm I'm glad they went away from the that boy ain't right in the early episodes of <laughs> yeah. seasons into yeah. more of just like stuff happening that Hank just doesn't get because he's like an emotionally stunted middle aged conservative white dude.
1: <laughs> yeah, I really I do think that like most of my favorite episodes of King of the Hill are Bobby centric.
0: The uh, the the one that uh. Kat said that you were watching with them I, I love that oh, one God, so much it's
1: so good it's very good it's one of my favorites was, Yeah.
0: Uh, I-, I love the line hey that's Todd <laughs> <laughs>
1: yup <laughs> I love the lyric uh, one day God was kicking it in heaven <laughs> Just truly amazing um,
0: yeah, what a good episode of this show! <laughs> uh, it's it, it's it's so good. I a a lot of I've noticed that when I, when I'm like talking about it out loud, I get like the stuff that I I I I kind of uh, it comes more clear to me. And like I said at the end, of the day, I think that's a, a big thing to draw from. This is like just because it was something you did as a kid doesn't mean it's like it's better for the next generation or that it was even good. And I th- that's kind of what Hank realizes: is oh, a lot of this stuff uh, that my dad did probably wasn't good for my development, and probably contributed to why I don't have fond feelings towards him. And Bobby, the pure of heart kid, is just like, "Hey, Dad, you're my dad. Let's do kid- let's do father son stuff." Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's good. I think I think like I what again? What I appreciate this show for is that. It really, I think, like, paints Hank as a, like, a sympathetic character that is very often wrong in his approach to parenting, but also, like, grows when he recognizes his mistakes. Yeah. And I appreciate that. I like, I think that, I think that there's a lot of, um, like, temptation in, cartoons where there's not necessarily a lot of like narrative continuity to make the characters feel really static and i think that they do a good job of not doing that in this show
0: yeah that's i know that's a big push that mike judge had for this show was to have just like small bits of continuity like you you would think that peggy hill going to buy big shoes would just be like a throwaway gag because they want to fill a little bit of time and not leave her out of the third episode of the series but it's so continuous throughout the series. <laughs> yes. That, like, it's it's a big surprise that they keep it up with. Or one of the things I, I point out, which uh, is part of why I think it's funny when you compare uh, Jacob Black to John Redcorn, is just there's an episode that is all about, like, puberty and how, like, they go away for the summer and they all come back and. Uh, <laughs> Joseph is, like, twice as tall and he's growing a mustache, and Bobby, who's technically the older one, is, ha- is ha- having weird feelings that his friends hit his growth spurt first. And, like, that's not something you see in animated shows ever. Is like, mm-hmm. characters aging or celebrating birthdays. Like, I- if it's, like, a birthday episode, it's usually just, like, jokes centered around something happening with a birthday. Because mm-hmm. in, in an animated medium, uh, Bobby doesn't grow older. While if it was live action bobby would grow older
1: yeah i appreciate that about this show a lot i also just i think that like i think especially towards the sort of like middle of the run of the series a lot of the a lot of bobby's plots like at the middle school are just very good yeah (laughs) yeah
0: would you do you think king of the hill would work if it was a live action show
1: I, you know, honestly, I don't because I think that some of the visual gags, like, I think that the visual gags in this show are, like, such an important part of its, like, nuanced hilarity that I, I don't think that it would, like, be quite as funny. Like, there's, a, I think there's a lot of things that they get away with in this show that they couldn't do in live action. Yeah. I just don't think that it would, like, land in the same way.
0: Yeah. I I always like to ask that of people 'cause people because, yeah, I definitely think that there's just something about it where if it was the, like, the the fact that it's animated just kind of contributes to a lot of the, like, dry humor it has. Mm-hmm. So. <clears throat> is there uh, anything that we might have missed that, or, like, n- notes that you took that might skipped over that you want to bring up before we wrap
1: this up? The only thing that I wrote down is that, Um, In the middle of the episode, when they're, like, on their way to the campsite, um, Hank, like, fakes falling asleep at the wheel. Um, And Joseph, like, leans over and is like, oh, my God. And he, like, takes the wheel from Hank to, like, try to steer them back onto the road. um, And then, like, loses a piece of his Slim Jim because he talked. And I would just like to say that I, this is so deeply true to life because my dad. Uh, when I was, yeah, here we go. When I was a teenager, would joke about how he would want to do, like, heart attack drills and seizure drills in the car with me. So, he's like, you know, you need to know what to do if I ever have a heart attack in the car. And would, like, mime having a heart attack or a seizure while, like, driving down the road next to my parents' house and be like, what are you going to do? You got to take the wheel. So.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah, my
1: dad is a weird, weird man. Um. I, I think that it was like n- like 90% in jest because he knew that it made me furious, but I think 10% of him was actually like, what's going to happen, you know? Um, just like a very deeply, extremely dad thing to do, which is to say that like, yeah, uh, Hank Hill, very much a dad, very much a dad. Um, that's my only stray observation for this episode. <laughs> Yeah. Was there anything that you
0: took a note on that we missed? The there's there's two that I, I wanna bring up real quick. There's a, uh, it's towards the beginning of the episode Joseph runs up to to Dale and he's like, Hey dad, can me and Bobby bring life preservers? And the other if you wanna be sissies. <laughs> wanna be sissies? Goes, My dad said yes!
1: <laughs> uh, oh, the other thing that happens in that same scene uh is that John Redcorn walks up to the to the men and um yeah. Dale's like, hey, uh, we're going on a trip and I wanted to ask. And John Redcorn goes, yes, I would be happy to take care of your wife for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just so good. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> Sorry, what was your other thing? No, that, I'm glad
0: you brought that one up. The other one is just the, like... Dale mooning the kids cuz it's oh just like, it's funny just cuz that's like something dumb kids do but these are 40 some year old men mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, they're mm-hmm. they're finding Huber and mooning their children and then <laughs> uh Boomhauer kind of loses control and drives into some bushes causing Dale to yes. scrape his ass over some bushes <laughs>
1: <laughs> It's great. I love some good animated slapstick. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, thanks for um having me on the podcast to talk about this wonderful episode of the show. I loved it.
0: I'm I'm very glad you were, uh, you you wanted to do this. I can see why my cat and Chris sound sounded very enthused when, when the idea of us talking about King of the Hill came up. <laughs> yes, yes, it was
1: excellent. I loved it. <laughs>
0: so, uh, what do you what do you got to plug?
1: Um, well, you mentioned it at the top of the podcast, but I, um, co-host a Twilight reread recap analysis podcast called Summer Twilight Book Club on the Orange Groves Network. Um, me and Kat, who are both, um, radical feminist social workers, are rereading and analyzing the four horniest books of our teenage years, so if you like or hate Twilight, Um, And want to hear us yell about relationship dynamics and also about edging. um, Feel free to come listen to Summer Twilight Book Club. You can follow us on Twitter at STBC Podcast. That's what uh, I
0: have. All right. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at at where I tweet about all sorts of the stuff I'm doing or watching or playing a lot of wrestling and video games if you like that so and also a lot of really good pictures life. of your dog yes I I have a, a wonderful boy who is currently staring at me because he he's recognizing right recognizing the end of podcast banter <laughs> so yeah my dog
1: uh, also just like picked her head up and stretched her feet so I think I think it's walk time <laughs>
0: I have a two other shows on this network uh they'll be linked in the in the description i I plug them often enough on here and uh there's plenty of other great shows you you can listen to here on the orange groves network like uh sauna mentioned summer twilight book club which i am up to date with as of a couple days ago and uh another one that i'm pretty up to date on is argonauts which is going wild with the with helping people out with the bed bath and uh nonsense that is going on at the time of this recording it's uh (laughs) incredibly terrifying but uh (laughs) i hope everyone's okay (laughs) uh,
1: that's all we can really ask for (laughs) and uh Oh, you beautiful blood-sucking babes i'm sahana and i'm kat and we're the hosts of summer twilight book club a podcast where your two best friends put their social work degrees to good use by rereading the four horniest books of their teenage years if you're at all curious about any of the following this is a podcast for you does bella swan have a car crash fetish yes i am telling you right now the answer is yes does stephanie meyer understand healthy relationship boundaries Has Bella Swan ever had a secure attachment in her life? How has Twilight impacted the societal and my personal conceptions of romance? Why does Stephanie Meyer, Osahana, and all other brown people, reparations? Why is Edward Cullen so into edging? You can find Summer Twilight Book Club at theorangegroves.com or on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else you access podcasts to find out.